Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis chapter 32. We're going to look at another encounter that Jacob had. Last week we talked about Jacob um, at Bethel where he sees this stairway to heaven and, and he encounters God in the midst of his journey. Having left with nothing, left his house, he had deceived his brother and he had left. And in that process, um, he encounters God at a place of loneliness, at a place of fear, at a place where he wasn't sure what was going to come next, but he encounters the living God. And he leaves with a fresh determination and a fresh confidence because when God meets with us, often he reveals his promises, right? So he gives Jacob a promise and he affirms the promise that is there that he says, I am the God of your grandfather, Abraham. And I am the God of your father, Isaac. And I'm going to make you a nation. Wow. It's a powerful, powerful encounter to have. So now we're going to peek in 20 years later. They say it was about 20 years that he was with Laban. Um, he had been tricked into marrying two wives, um, two sisters that had to be an awkward household. I'm just saying. So, thirty-two in Genesis thirty-one. Just speaking on reconciliation because that's something that is just just being kind of brought up. Laban did not like the fact that Jacob was trying to leave, so he pursues him and everything that Laban had promised him. He then tries to take it all back, right, and take everything back. And they have a, a, what I would consider a heated conversation. And in that heated conversation, they come to a mutual agreement. And do you know how they reconciled the differences between, and even the deception of Laban and all of his sin against Jacob and, and all that? You know how they reconciled that? They made a covenant together. They actually healed the relationship by making a new covenant. Just that's just the, the observation, right? Yeah, you can sit on that. Consider that in your relationships that have had difficulty, that have been difficult and that have been hard. Consider, God, what, how do you want to reconcile this so that we have a new foundation to stand on? Instead of the history of 20 years of deception and lies, maybe there's a new foundation for us to stand on. After they make this covenant, Laban says, I'm good. I'll see you later. And he goes home. Leaves Jacob with all the things that Jacob had rightfully earned while he was there. Pretty cool. So um, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump through this particular story a little bit because I want to get to um, the Lord's have me switch some things up on the fly. So if I sound disjointed, it's because I am. All right? All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, our, our series over the summer is presence, right? We're talking about the power of encounters with God, that His presence changes things. 
His presence changes us. And so we're looking at examples throughout Scripture of encounters that people had with the living God, and it changed everything for them. Each of us should be hungry for encounter with God. I believe that hunger for encounter is probably one of the greatest assets in the kingdom that you can carry. Because now you look for Him. When you're hungry for encounter, you're not just waiting for Him to hit you with a two-by-four. Well, I, I, I haven't experienced God because He hasn't struck me with His, with his spirit lightning yet. Well, that's not how it works. He doesn't mind striking us with lightning. The good kind. Like he's not here to kill you. <laughs> but he, want, he, he, he does a thing where when we hunger after him, he meets us in that place. And we will not judge your motive for hunger. We will not judge your motive for hunger. I think this is important. Over and over and over, people came to God with the wrong motive and he encountered them and he set them straight. Why? Because his presence does it. So it, I don't care if you're hungry for a breakthrough, if you're hungry because you're afraid, if you're hungry because you're hurting and wounded and you just need to encounter God. We're not going to judge that. Because you, when you encounter him, he'll change whatever's off. He'll fix and align the things that are broken. So just be hungry. I'm going to read a passage out of the New Testament before I get into this. James 4, 7 through 10 says, Therefore submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The verse right before that says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And oftentimes when we're in situations that we're going to look at today with Jacob, when we're in a situation where it's unsteady, it's uneasy, and there's fear involved, and, and there's different things, often we will try to fix it ourselves. We try and come up with ways to solve the problem, and then we stamp Jesus' name on it. And then we wonder, why, God, why didn't you bless that? I did it in your name. And he's like, that's not what I asked you to do. Right? So we have to humble ourselves. And sometimes our pride will deceive our emotions. Sometimes we'll feel joy because of we feel confident in ourselves. Sometimes we'll, we'll, be, we'll elevate an area like in order to feel better about myself, I've got to put this thing down. I've got to belittle this thing in order to make myself feel better. No, maybe you should mourn and experience sorrow. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. All right. So that's kind of a primer for where we're going today. Um, in Genesis 32, we see after 20 years with Laban, um, Jacob sends a messenger to go tell his brother he's coming home. 
God told Jacob to go home. So he sends a messenger to his brother. And the reply is, <laughs> I love this. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau. He is coming to meet you and he has 400 men with him. We know the story. Jacob deceived Esau. Esau comforted himself by the fact that he was going to kill him one day. Woo! Of course, Jacob's mama was like, yeah, that's not good. You got to go. Now, one of the things that happens here is it says Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. So he does what Jacob does. He's a deceiver and a manipulator. So he's like, okay, I'm going split to split my convoy into two groups. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a string, a row of convoy gifts to Esau to soften the guy up, right? Like I'm going to soften him up and maybe if I soften him up, he won't kill me. So the gift was sent on ahead, verse 21, the gift was sent on ahead of him while he remained in the camp that night. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female slaves, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all his possessions. Jacob was left alone by himself. Jacob did this figuring that if Esau's men were really after him, he might get here tonight. And if he gets here tonight... I want to put some space between my family and myself. So he's willing to be by himself on the other side. If he's got to fall to the fate of Esau, he's going to do it on his own. He's not going to let his family get hurt. That's a good thing. Pretty cool. There's some boldness there, right? There's some ownership, taking responsibility, right? That's called integrity. Now, a couple of quick points about this uh, first part is that Jacob was obeying God's direction. God told him to go back home, so he goes back home, right? Sometimes our obedience to the word of the Lord will create internal confrontations and discomfort that we are desperate to get out of. Making the decision to obey when we know that sometimes our decision to obey doesn't turn out the way that we would want it to can create some distress and some fear. And when that happens, we have to come to the Lord, ask for strength, wisdom, and courage to do it while we're afraid. That's, that's the definition of courage, is do it afraid. Do it afraid. We have this weird superstition that, that if we acknowledge our fear, we're somehow giving it power. That's a lie. When you are afraid, you come to the Father. If you, don't, if you don't acknowledge your fear, you're full of pride and you're being opposed by God. <laughs> J 
Jacob, <laughs> Jacob was trying to figure out how to solve his problem on his own, right? He was trying to figure out, how do I solve this problem on my own? When the heat turned up, who do we lean into? When the heat turns up in our lives, who do we lean into? Often it's our own wisdom, our own skill, and our own abilities. Jacob defaulted to what he knew, which was manipulation. Jacob defaulted to sending gifts and doing everything to try and find some favor with his brother. Last he heard, he wanted to kill him. Now he's coming with 400 men. He's doing whatever he knew to do in his own power. And listen, God will use your skill, but it needs to be led by the Holy Spirit, not out of self-preservation and self-protection. God's going to teach us how he is our protector. See, God, Jacob was desperate for a miracle in that moment. Jacob came with a desperation in that moment. We don't know what Jacob prayed. We don't know what Jacob's conversation with God was. That's not in the, in the scriptures. But you know that he was greatly distressed and afraid. Anybody been there? Anybody been greatly distressed and afraid about a situation that was going all wrong and it was not going any way that you felt like it should go? Things that are close to your heart, things like your life, like things that you're passionate about and it's all going sideways and you experience fear and there's distress. At some moment, I think Jacob cried out to God when he finally got alone. Jacob did what he could do to protect his family, and he put them on the other side of the river and waited on the other side by himself, right, in case his brother was faster than expected. Our desperation creates hunger for God. These moments that we are desperate for an answer and we're desperate, we recognize, we can acknowledge our, even our fear, the things that we're experiencing that should create a desperation to meet with God. It should create a hunger to be with God in those moments, being afraid is not a sin. It is not a sin to let, wait, it's a sin to let fear become your Lord and to be the thing that guides you and directs you. To let fear have control is a sin, but to experience fear is not a sin. We know that God is near to us and is willing to fill us. He's willing to meet us and to give us courage, right? And sometimes in the crisis, we need to get alone with God, right? It's, Jacob finally got alone, and it says that a man wrestled with him, verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak when the man saw that he could not defeat him. Let's just stop there. When the man who's wrestling with Jacob realizes he can't defeat Jacob, let's just, let's just say that there was a persistent resolve in Jacob. A persistent resolve in Jacob. He was unwilling to let go. He was unwilling to be beaten. Sometimes we throw our hands up a little quickly when the heat turns up. Sometimes there's conflict in relationship. Even in this body, there can be conflict in relationship. It's real easy to write people off and walk away. Let it not be so here. 
It's real easy to come up with reasons why, oh, they're just X, Y, and then the spirit of accusation comes out and suddenly we're not playing on God's turf or playing on the devil's, right? We don't even realize we just did it. Sometimes our critical spirit comes up and then we withdraw and we isolate. Listen, when these things come up, the reality is that we have to have a persistent resolve that we will get through. We will have a persistent resolve that I'm committed no matter what happens. No matter the offenses that come, we can be committed to one another. This is the foundation for any strong marriage is commitment. That no matter if the passion wanes and the intimacy goes down, we're committed, we're going to get through together. When offenses come, we'll learn how to forgive. Guys, I've sat in the office with couples who've been married for 30 years and for the first time they heard about an affair. And for the first time, the confession comes out. Let me just tell you what. God, when God's involved, it gets reconciled. Because there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. And those marriages move together in the greatest power and wholeness after God shows up. But if you do not have a persistent resolve to make your way through that, you will walk away too soon. Not because God sent you, but because you are not resolved to fulfill the will of God in that moment. Are you guys doing okay? All right. I don't know. I feel like being bold. I feel like just saying it. All right. We can't stop when it gets hard, people. We cannot stop when it gets hard. We need resolve persistence. He struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. At some point, Jacob knew this was a supernatural encounter, right? It wasn't just a dude wrestling him. Like random wrestling match in the middle of the night. Like, what? No. He knew this was a supernatural experience. It is so easy to give in. It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to change the subject and move on to our next strategy. I will not let you go until you bless me. I love this moment because... The man asks, what's your name? As if he didn't know. God's going to ask you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And not in that negative condescending, who do you think you are? No, not like that. But who do you think you are? So he says, I'm Jacob. You know what this guy, I think they're still wrestling actually. He says, your name will not be Jacob anymore. It will be Israel because you've struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Can I, listen, we upgrade our identity when we wrestle with God. We upgrade our identity when we wrestle with God. How do we wrestle with God? Well, he's asking you to do stuff. 
that you don't want to do. You're being called higher and you're afraid of heights. You're, be, you're being called to swim deeper and you don't know how to swim. We wrestle with God. When you do, go ahead, wrestle with God. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we don't upgrade our identity because we don't wrestle. And you, and you, and you keep the old narrative of who you are. You keep the old definition because you never actually took the time to wrestle this out with the Lord. Can we acknowledge our fear before the Lord? God, this scares me. God, I don't like this. God, I'm struggling with this place you're taking me. I don't even know where it is. What is happening? Wrestle with God because He will upgrade your identity. He will give you the things that you need in order to overcome. He'll teach you how to swim. He'll show you that actually you're always protected when you fly with Him. He will never let your feet be dashed against the stone. Why? You're His anointed. You are. As a son and a daughter of God, you are His anointed. He protects His children. We can come to him desperate for answers when we need a solution. We must get real with what we need God for. We have to stop covering up our fear and desperation for God because it's a form of pride to think that I know better than God. My solution will work better now than what God might have me do. Hmm. I feel like the Lord wants to break us out of our religious ritual and charisma, right? The religious rituals that we have because, well, I, I just need a touch from the Lord and I just, I, I, I'm in this place and it's good to come to the Lord. But sometimes we continue in, we've created these patterns that reinforce the wrong narrative. Sometimes it's not time to laugh at it. It's time to mourn over it. Let's be sensitive to what the Lord asks us to do in the moment. Let's be okay if it's uncomfortable. Come on, kind of like the heat in here. Just be okay with it. Right? Just be okay. It's warmer than usual. Yeah, everywhere right now. Okay, it's okay. All right, I think I've kind of worn that one out. Hallelujah. Here we go. Jacob's encounter with God started with fear and he left with a new name. It started with fear and he left with a new name. That's why I said, let's not judge how we come because God will give you a new name. He'll, he'll upgrade your identity, even if you're coming in fear, even if you're coming with some selfishness. Maybe even if you show up with pride in your heart, God will give you an upgrade if you're hungry. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The patterns that you've used, the habits that you've created to navigate your life must change. They must change 
change. You don't get an upgrade in identity until he begins to deal with the narratives that you've told yourself and the way that you do your life. Can I just be honest? When Mika and I were on our break, we had to put every little thing on the table before the Lord. How we did everything had to go onto the table before the Lord. That was scary. But we were hungry. Hungry to meet Him. And we came away with a new identity. With an upgrade. And I know many of you have those stories. You have the testimony of desperation and you just needed the Lord. And, and He says, actually... I don't see you that way. I see you this way. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that he sees us more clearly than we see ourselves. When you encounter God, when you enter his presence and you bring all that you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just heard that little in the background. When you bring all that you are to the Lord, these are the moments where He transforms you. Honestly, if you're hungry, it's a lifestyle of change. This idea that you're going to find your sweet spot someday and just roll in that. Listen, your circumstances might be sweet, but internally, God is going to make you more like Jesus every day. Which means that the things that aren't like Jesus have to come up and they got to go. We don't like it when that stuff comes up, but it's got to come up because it's got to go. When you meet with God, your identity will be clarified. Your destiny will be confirmed. And I can't say this enough. Humility is the gateway to presence. Humility is the gateway to presence. Humility is the gateway to presence. Honesty with ourselves enables us to resist the devil and it removes our double-mindedness. Of course, Jacob then says, hey, please tell me your name. He answered, why do you ask my name? I love it when God answers a question with a question. Like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, God established that or something. Answers a question with a question. You know what's amazing here is that when Jacob says, what's your name? He says, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. Jacob Named the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, and I have been delivered. In the moment of distress, Jacob needed the promise of God confirmed. And he wrestled with God, and God affirmed him, changed his name, gave him a new identity, and confirmed his promise to him. I think this is an issue concerning boldness in the body of Christ to see souls saved. 
The reason why I say it's an issue of boldness is that sometimes we question. Not, I don't think it's even like a conscious thing, but we question the promises of God and we're afraid to fully embrace and step into the identity and the calling that He has established for us. Take your fear of being bold and give it to the Lord. Take your fear and wrestle with God on it. Because then He'll say, well, actually, this is who I call you. You might think that the world sees you this way, but that's not how I see you. And He will affirm and confirm, empower you. I just, we got to have permission to wrestle with God. I give you permission, wrestle with God. Wrestle with Him. And if you notice that you're thinking that your opinion of what God is saying, that you're acting on your opinion of it, you're full of pride and you need to humble yourself. My opinion of what I think God needs to do in a situation is not the best. And yet that's where most of us stop. Wrestle with God with it. God, I know you want to do something, but I don't know what it is. God, I know you want to break through something. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what's happening here. God, you've asked me to be bold, but I'm a little bit afraid of that because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to my social media feed. Or I'm afraid of what's going to happen in some of these relationships that I've developed over the years with non-believers. And if I get too bold, then they're no longer going to want to be in relationship with me because that's just kind of our culture. Like if you don't agree, I'll <laughs> see you later. God's identity about you and the words that you speak and all of those things that maybe we could be afraid about being bold. Now listen, can we be bold about what God says is a priority instead of what I feel is a priority? Can we, can we please, please stop bringing division to the world? Your opinion on politics might be right, but don't bring it divisively. It breaks my heart to see some of the posts online from people that I really admire and respect. I'm like, that's not the Spirit of God. You might be right, but it's not in the Spirit of God. Why are you operating in accusation? That's the devil's territory. That's not how God works. So let yourself deal with that. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Here's the last thing I want to say. Jacob does meet Esau. And in this moment, there's this reconciliation opportunity that comes up because Esau had already forgiven him. He'd already let it go. That 20 years of separation had done a work in Esau. And Esau was excited to see his brother. He was excited to see him because God blessed Esau. God still blessed Esau. Esau became a mighty nation. And as you read further along in Scripture, it's called Edom, right? The Edomites, those are the sons of Esau. 
What's really amazing here is that in this place of potential reconciliation, Jacob hadn't been able to forgive himself for what he did to his brother and could not receive the reconciliation from his brother. It says that they, uh, they get together, right? In chapter 33, Jacob lifted his eyes. It was the morning. Jacob lifted his eyes, and there Esau was coming out. With him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants, and he put maidservants and their children in front. So he just is like, he's going to have to kill the kids to get to me type of thing. Here's where he moved coward, okay? Not good. But this is great. Jacob then crosses over before them, bows himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept together. Beautiful. Esau's like, what are you doing sending me these gifts? I got enough. This is your stuff. I don't want it. Because... Esau's not trying to get anything from Jacob anymore. Esau's content. Jacob's still afraid. Esau in verse 12 says, Let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. We'll go back to home together. We'll go see dad together. So that's where Jacob's going. He says, well, let me, let me grab my stuff. Give me a minute, let me grab my people, and we'll do this together. We'll go meet dad together. There's opportunities in the moment of reconciliation where God wants us to not just be reconciled, but to move forward in partnership together after the reconciliation, where there's an opportunity to do something together that you've never been able to do before. It was in this moment that then Jacob replies, my Lord knows that the children are weak, Flocks and the herds which are nursing with me, and if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace, which the livestock that go before me, and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir. And Esau said, now let me leave you with some people who are with me. Well, let's, come on, let's still do it together. I'll, I'll leave some of my people with you then. You got to travel slower. Like Esau's making a tremendous effort to partner with his brother and Jacob's making excuses and unwilling to do it, right? Esau, Esau says, leave, let me leave some people, some of the people who are with me, but Jacob says, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So is Esau left. They only get together one more time for the rest of their lives. And it's at Hebron when they bury their dad. There's destiny on reconciliation. Sometimes we miss those opportunities. But God wants us to take those opportunities. Not just when we reconcile to be like, oh, that feels good. We're reconciled now. But there's a partnership 
that I believe God is going to be bringing to many of you that you would have never thought possible with people that hurt you that you never thought possible. Will you stand with me? Father, we are so grateful to you. We are so grateful that you are the God that reconciles. You're the God that brings us together. Father, I pray that we would be able and willing to humble ourselves and to be really honest with you about where we're at, what our struggles are, what's happening in our world so that we might wrestle with you. God, when, when we don't understand it, help us wrestle with you. Help us to say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I will humble myself and I'm going to have a persistent resolve that with you, this will get solved. With you, this issue will shift. With you, my heart will change. With you, I will be able to forgive. With you, I'm going to be able to let that offense go. With you, I'm going to be able to see a brighter vision. With you, I will own my new name. With you, I will see the nation changed. With you. So, Father, I'm praying right now that you would just embed in our spirits an absolute sense of glory, a sense of of your presence. God, will you tangibly manifest yourself so that we might encounter your presence today, so that the areas in our life that need to come up, we would wrestle with you over it, that we would expose our pride, we would expose our double-mindedness, we would expose our lack of resolve, we would expose our fears, so that you might give us a new name, that we would walk, not walk away the same, Hallelujah. I thank you that once you promised, you don't break. Once we miss an appointment, you reappoint it. Father, I pray that you strengthen every hand here to walk in courage the ability to move forward and to do it afraid. When they have fear, anxiety, and doubts, give them courage. A resolve to do it even if they're not feeling it. Even if they don't like it. That they would move forward with power because you are in them, God. You are in them. I pray for a revival of humility in the body of Christ that your presence would so overwhelm our, our just humbly coming to you in our brokenness, coming to you in our weakness, coming to you in our faults and foibles and our mistakes and, and our failures and coming to you in this place and let your presence have its perfect work when we come, God. Our hearts are open. Come on, if your heart is open before the Lord, just say, my heart is open. Let's try it again, but say it like you mean it. Let's say together, my heart is open. We humble ourselves before you, knowing that, God, you will have your perfect way in us, and your ways are better than mine, and when I don't understand it, 
Give me the humility to receive grace. To receive grace and empowerment from your spirit. An empowerment from you that allows us to do things we could never do on our own. In that same vein, will you just say, I receive grace? Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Um, We're excited for what the Lord is doing here. I want to encourage each of you to not bolt out of here, but encourage somebody today. Sometimes the courage that we need comes from the people around us. And the Lord will use you to give courage to those who are weak among us. We can share each other's burdens together. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.